Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading this morning is from Colossians, and it can be found on page 200 of your page hymnal in the New Testament section. So hear now the word of the Lord. May you have been made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyful giving, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to him all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that this morning, as your scripture has been read and your word proclaimed, that your spirit may come and dwell among us. That on this day, as we remember, as we consider what it means for Christ to be Lord of all things, that your spirit may open in us new things, that it may make way for new things, that as our minds and our eyes and our ears are opened, that we may feel a breath, a a fresh breath that comes from your Holy Spirit come to be with us as we, O Lord, are called to be your church in all times and in all places. Amen. This morning, we're given a special chance to reflect more deeply on what it means for Christ to be king. But what does it mean, in the first place, for Christ to be king? For some reason, my mind jumps to that movie, The Lion King. Specifically, I think about that scene where a young Simba sits on top of a mountain with his father, and as they're looking out over over the, the wilderness... His father tells him everything the light touches is a part of our kingdom. Appropriately, I think this fits with how we should think about God's kingdom, the kingdom where Christ reigns, because as the light that came into the world bringing hope, love, and good news, the truth is that the entire domain of creation is under Christ's dominion, Christ's kingship. Christ is king, so we should be so we should rejoice and be glad, right? Christ is king. So why do we live our lives then like we are shut behind closed doors, 
like we are shut off behind tall fences, why we are shut off behind a vast tapestry of no trespassing signs. Perhaps it's because we know that even though the light of God is everywhere, that there are patches of darkness that make us feel as though the light of God has no control over the evil that happens. I'm talking about acts of racism, acts of discrimination based on one's gender, terrorism, shootings, what have you. Real evil I'm talking about. And the fear that comes from such evil can be a powerful force that keeps us from living as ones who have been touched by the divine light of God. But the thing about darkness that we need to understand is that unless you find yourself in an extraordinary situation, is that even if there is a tiny crack, light can still shine through. And as people who have been called to be the hands and the feet of Christ in this new kingdom, it sometimes falls on us then to make that crack a little bigger. A little bigger. So that together then we can expose evil for what is evil, hate for what is hate, injustice for what is injustice, and love for what is truly the love of God. The thing about the place where Christ reigns is that there is more to it than just love, grace, and compassion. In this new kingdom, we find that there's a certain level of conviction, dare I say discomfort, that goes along with being a citizen in God's kingdom. It's a poke that's meant to jolt us into action, into being a living community. It's more than just singing praise and worship songs, and it's more than saying that you belong to a church with X number of members, with X number of programs. Being a person who lives in Christ's kingdom means that the whole of our very being, our prayer and our worship, has to stand for something more than just an insular attitude of self-preservation. This mixture of reassurance, this mixture of discomfort and hope calls us to live in the light of Christ. That brings us not only into a deeper relationship with God, but also into a deeper relationship with one another, which we find in our act of worship. However, though, this, the strange thing is, is that our primary, the primary function of our worship in God's kingdom shouldn't be to make us feel good. Stick with me, though, for a second. Because if we looked at Christ's earthly ministry, we would find that there were a lot of ticked-off people. People who were left uncomfortable by the things Jesus said. There is a time and a place for everything. Sometimes our worship will soothe our souls. They will bring us comfort. But there should also be numerous other times that it convicts us, makes us uncomfortable, makes us uncomfortable with the status quo, and shifts our focus from thinking about me to us. Our time spent in prayer and praise is a time that is sacred, a time that is set apart from the rest of the week. And while discomfort and challenge may seem like negative words, they should be elements of worship that revitalize us, that challenge us to go out and live as though we have been given the light of Christ that has been stowed upon us with radically transforming love. 
And when I talk about worship in Christ's kingdom, I'm talking about more than an act of devotion that happens here on Sunday morning. I'm talking about something that goes beyond just one day a week. I'm talking about a culmination of practices essential, essentially uh, the stewardship of our time, our vision, our language, our action, and our resources. Our worship includes all of those things. Our worship needs to be an all-encompassing act that makes up who we are. We can't compartmentalize our sacred time on Sunday morning and think that it is separate from what we do the rest of the week. As we heard this morning, Christ is not only the head of the church, but is also the person who sits over enthroned over everything that breathes, moves, and has its being. There is not one thing outside the realm of God's kingdom that is not a part of who we are. And as much as we like to hymn and haw about authority, the world is a corporate entity, one that requires the participation of each and every one of us in order to make it function, in order to make it a place where no one is left behind, a place in which we are truly a living community. Christ is king. And we know what happens when we fail to show care to our neighbor, when we neglect the poor, when we treat the alien from a foreign land as if they were not also created in the image of God. We know what happens. We've heard these words from Christ, but still on so many days, it seems like they fall on ears that are unwilling to hear them and take them to heart. When we fail to acknowledge the claim that Christ, that God has on our lives, we know the consequences of what happens when we choose not to love our neighbors as, our, as ourselves. And the result of that consequence of failing to love as God has loved us is almost like a parable that I, uh, that I once heard that's often attributed to Rabbi Haim of Ramshashak. You see, the rabbi tells this parable of, of these two different places with two groups of people who find themselves in a very similar situation. They're both in these places where there is certainly enough food to eat, but they're given these oddly shaped utensils. And the thing about these utensils is that you can't use them for yourself. So the people in the first group, they're not able to get along. They're unwilling to work with one another, to cooperate. And as a consequence, they go hungry. But in the other place, with, the, with another group of people who also are given these weirdly shaped tools, utensils, they're able to cooperate. And they're able to feed one another across the table until all have their hunger sated. Until all are filled. You see, Christ is the one who holds us together, the one who inspires us to use our tools, our gifts, to help one another. It is by Christ's example that we see that there is more to life than just what we think happens in our own little bubble. In Christ's kingdom, the widows, the orphans are not neglected. In Christ's kingdom, the hungry are given something to eat without asking for anything in return. In Christ's kingdom, the broken, the weary, the tired are given a place to lay their head and reminded that they are enough. 
because it was God made flesh in Jesus Christ, that the world was shown a new path, a path that did not need swords, but plowshares, a way that did not need saints, but tax collectors, prostitutes, and lepers, an approach that asks us to give of our all so that we might be blessed by the all of others. What I find reaffirming in this morning is that Christ is king, of course, but that Christ is also the good shepherd, one who brings us home. As the prophet Jeremiah reminds us, Christ is also like a shepherd who brings the wayward sheep back into the flock. Interestingly, you don't call it a herd, which I would have thought you call it a flock, but just side tangent. And perhaps more importantly, Christ goes after the sheep who have been kicked out or ignored by the others in the flock because they didn't conform to what was normal or what was expected of them. Christ goes after those sheep. Christ as king and Christ as the good shepherd is challenging for us. Not because we don't want Christ to be king or a good shepherd, but because it challenges us in a way because Christ never does what we expect him to do. But it's in those uncertainties, however, that the light of Christ can permeate every aspect of our being. As we come to an end of our time of honing in on what it means to be stewards of our various gifts, I find it fitting that we should end on Christ the King Sunday. Stewardship is an idea, a practice that pushes us to grow. Christ the King Sunday reminds us why we do acts of stewardship. Yet there is something else that I find appropriate as well, which is that we are told on this day, and really we should be told every day, that it's not the size or the amount of our gifts and talents that matter, but it's what is at the heart of what we offer that God cares about. When we think about it, it really puts things into perspective. It's maybe not as important then that our church isn't as big as what it used to be. It's maybe not as important then that the things that we used to do don't happen now. All the little things that we fear of losing don't seem as significant in the grand scheme as things as, will, as long as we are willing to risk something as long as we were willing to give our hearts to God so that God can do miraculous things with what we offer. But that takes trust. So are we willing to come out from behind our closed doors? Are we willing to tear down those no trespassing signs? Are we willing to let the light of Christ in so that we can live more freely and not in fear of the darkness. It takes trust and it takes willingness to risk something so that God can work wonders in a way that would blow away the boxes we try to contain things in. So what do you think? Because as I said from the very beginning, Christ is king. And for God's kingdom, taking a risk and having a little more trust might lead to something new and wonderful if we are willing to come out from the darkness and into the wonderful light of Christ's kingdom. Amen.
Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.